Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts. Can you please help support this vital ministry? Discerning Hearts is a 100% listener-supported Catholic apostolate. Now through the end of August, please prayerfully consider making a sacrificial gift to help us raise $30,000 to fund truly life-changing Catholic programming and prayer. The financial contributions of listeners like you enables us to continue this important ministry. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your donations are fully tax-deductible. As an independent, non-for-profit lay organization that is not affiliated financially with any diocese, our apostolate is fully listener-supported. Again, between now and the end of August, please visit DiscerningHearts.com to make your donation. Thank you, and God bless you from all of us at Discerning Hearts. The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501 nonprofit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of digital media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com. Ignatius Press and the Augustan Institute present The Formed Book Club. Catholic book lovers unpacking good books chapter by chapter. If you like us, please help us by subscribing and by reviewing us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might listen. And don't forget to sign up for weekly updates and study questions at formedbookclub.ignatius.com. Welcome to the Formed Book Club. We continue to discuss the drama of Vesuvius by Henri de Bach, Père Henri de Bach. We've taken Marx, which people know, who know, people know about him, and Feuerbach, before Marx, not as much a household name. Nietzsche, of course, is. Now we're on Comte, who's, I think, pretty much unknown. And yet, what he began, or at least he organized or collected around him, is the atmosphere that we're living in right now, it seems to me. So we're on the chapter... Uh, August Cohen and Christianity, Section 2, The Monotheistic Tradition, page Transition. 147. Transition, wow. Mm. Uh, so, Joseph, take it away. You're our leader. Well, I, I actually have something on that page, page 147, so perhaps I'll read that and comment upon it. We'll take sure. it from there. Um, but uh, Cobb talks about the social reorganization, reorganization that followed the revolution of 1789, so obviously that's the French Revolution. Um, um, and but the point is what that what that, that social organization must be done without theological intervention. And then his rationale for this is interesting. Comte has a ceaseless flow of sarcasm to lavish upon quote the reactionary doctrine that, in truly ridiculous fashion, ventures to recommend today as the only possible solution for the present intellectual anarchy, so fantastic and expedient as the social re-establishment of those same futile principles whose inevitable decrepitude was the original cause of that anarchy. So basically, what, what, what we're seeing there is that the French Revolution begins, of course, in, in barbarism uh, and ends in a reign of terror that, that, then, that then turns into uh, uh, war uh, and uh, empire. And so the, 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 this, this um, anarchy that... Uh, that's caused by atheistic revolution, uh, that the last thing we need to, to correct that 
atheistic anarchy is a return to uh, to Christianity, basically, is what he's saying there. Uh, and it just shows. I mean, I, I, I heard someone tell me that uh, the, no, the, the Nazis were, uh, the, the church, the Catholic Church was responsible for the Nazis because the Catholic Church is anti-Semitic and therefore the Nazis were anti-Semitic. I mean, so the point is you've got something which is basically avowedly anti-Christian that's rooted uh, in, in a hatred of the church and a hatred of Christianity because it's Jewish, amongst other things, mm-hmm. um, uh, largely um, under the influence of anti-Christian philosophers like Nietzsche, and yet somehow or other it's still the Catholic Church's fault when these people that hate the church do things that are hateful. And see, Comte seems to be in that same sort of camp there. Well, as we'll see, he wants to use the structure of the Catholic Church to kind of create his atheistic empire well and yes, the, re- the reason why he blames uh the french revolution on the church and therefore the last thing we need is the church to be restored is because he he points out not only the on page 148 catholicism is rotten to the core uh that's the top um you know doomed to hypocrisy um, nothing of real religious conviction in it, um, and so on. These are the things I pointed out on page 148. But it goes much deeper than that. You know, uh, when we start to see that he, th- this is called the monotheistic transition, the fact that he even thinks monotheism itself, on page 152, he calls it the Western malady that monotheism itself is, uh, this is 152, intermediate between the theological state and the metaphysical state. And then later on, he blames monotheism of religious fanaticism. And uh, so he is, he is, for all of the blame of hypocrites and corrupt prelates and all of that, which people always are heaping scorn on the church for, and rightly so, in a way, what this man is doing is something actually on a diabolical level that his attack is actually on God himself, that God revealed through the Jewish people and then through Christ to the church. He's actually attacking God himself. He's attacking monotheism itself. Also, I think that uh, because he is the kind of the father of positive socialism and positive, you know, view of the world in the sense of, uh, we don't have any metaphysical, nothing transcendent, but it's just empirical stuff. I mean, he's empirically wrong here on this page, I believe, uh, where he says, maybe 10 lines down, uh, he calls monotheism never being anything more than a reduced and concentrated polytheism. His idea is that we started with polytheism and then that became monotheism. Yes. And towards the bottom, he says, uh, that is why monotheism is late in making its appearance. Well, I think Chesson pretty much put the lie to that when he says that in all these polytheisms, there was there was always fate or some principle behind it. And the reason they became polytheisms is because nations would, would agglomerate and you got your God and our God. We, we, we all believe somehow in one principle behind that, but we have to have different names because now we're different races or different ethnic groups or whatever. So I think Chesson is right that monotheism can before polytheism. Yeah, I mean, even if you take if you take uh, Homer, for instance, you know, from the Western tradition, 
polytheism, obviously, we, we're talking about the Greek gods. Um, it is clear from the um, Iliad that, uh, that Zeus actually says to all the other gods on Mount Olympus that if we were to have a tug-of-war competition and I was one end of the rope and all of you were on the other end of the rope, I would win. And none of the gods actually dispute with him over it. So the point is that really polytheism is that there's one god who's omnipotent and there's all sorts of lesser spiritual deities underneath right it, it, so that that's that's the reality of it not that there are all these equal gods that are battling it out well all those other gods sprung from his head so there's even in terms of the origination of these other deities right. a starting right. point you know right the father uh, of gods and men right exactly and so but th- so this is very curious why he um is just so anti monotheistic <clears throat> Uh, on the page of one top of 158, he says it encourages the most dangerous fanaticism, which is, you know, as you just spelled out at the beginning of this episode here, Joseph, the French Revolution didn't lead to a dangerous fanaticism. You, I mean, here this man, it, it, it's, it's kind of puzzling how he could make monotheism the locus of all this uh, extremism and fanaticism after just what France has been through. And, and and when you look ahead, he can't have seen it. But then you look at the you know the the, the, the influence of positivism on the materialism of of communism, uh, and and see that the the tens of millions of people killed in the twentieth century as a consequence of his ideas. Uh, it really is astonishing that he can point the finger at uh, at monotheism of, of religion and and say encourages the most dangerous fanaticism i mean the fanaticism that good solid christian religion uh uh, uh encourages is sanctity <laughs> the saints right saints don't go out killing people there's a big difference between the sort of fanaticism of a saint and the fanaticism of 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 uh, an ideological zealot uh and 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 and, and the chasm is different between heaven and hell quite frankly and then we find out that on 161, Comte did not like. 161. Yeah, Comte did not like to be called an atheist. So here you're yep. thinking, oh, okay, so he's setting up the God of Israel, the God of Christianity, the the one God as being the locus of all the problems of mankind. And yet, no, he doesn't want to be an atheist. Uh, well, because that's because God becomes humanity, right? I mean, you exactly replace theism by we are. Principle. He wants to replace God with man. Humanity is God, and he he uh, he wants to also not even engage on the question of God because that already right. is a sort of a distraction. You know, now you're still asking metaphysical questions. He wants to move. Right. Be, he wants to move beyond not just God, but even metaphysical questions about God or is there a God? Because well, you're that, all, yes, yes, exactly. Well, that's why he doesn't like atheism because athe- the, the conventional atheists are asking metaphysical questions, and he wants to cancel metaphysics. It, it's, exactly. it's the philosophy of, of the cancel culture, right? Yes. The only way we can defeat God is to is to make the question illegal. Yes. <laughs> Ban the question. Right? Exactly. If, if anybody uses the word "why," you shoot them, and then we can get rid of God. That's essentially what he's saying. Exactly. So I want to point out to one fifty eight that the new section title beyond atheism. This is a a uh, characteristic of almost all, if not all, of the Lubach's books. 
every chapter will be divided into five, four or five subsections. Each one has a particular leading idea here. Uh-huh. And so in this one, section three, beyond atheism, that's the whole point in here, saying what we're not going to talk about it. Uh, metaphysical questions, you know, are are meaningless. So let's let's get beyond this. So I'm not an atheist because I'm not going to talk about it. Right. Right. Exactly. That's well, right. Uh, I probably next thing I have uh, is on page 164. If anybody wants to trump me, that's fine. I'm on 166. Go ahead. Go ahead, Joseph. Okay, well, this is, uh, again, this this is comp speaking here. This is that indented quote at the bottom of page 164, and I'll, I'll, I'll read for a few sentences if I may. Even in its intellectual aspect, atheism represents no more than an, than an inadequate emancipation from God, since it tends to prolong the metaphysical state indefinitely by continually seeking new solutions of theoretical problems instead of ruling out all accessible researches as inherently fruitless, in other words, all a waste of time. The true positive spirit consists, above all, in perpetually substituting the study of the invariable laws of phenomena for the study of their causes, properly so-called, whether first or final, or to put it briefly, seeks to ascertain how rather than why. So Mm -hmm. basically, why is now illicit and not to be talked about. It's a question that should not be asked. Any question begin with the word why? Uh, needs to be basically cancelled and nullified. It's all about how. In other words, it's all about the study of causes. So it's all about the study of effects, not causes, right? And then he finishes here, thus confirmed atheists can be regarded as the most inconsistent of theologians since they occupy themselves with the same questions but reject the only suitable approach to them, which is not to talk about them. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> And if you think this is going to be done benignly, think again, because uh, in other words, we're not just going to ignore God and he'll go away. Um, we're going to he starts out that way. First, we're just going to ignore God and go and, and he'll go away because people can they'll find people can, will find that they can live without him. Then when he starts to realize, no, people can't live without religion. He substitutes the hum, humanity religion for the previous religion, including providing a clergy and a liturgical calendar and sacraments and all of this thinking, okay, we'll give the people what they want with this replacement religion, but by golly, that God thing just won't go away. And so now we're going to have to do. Basically you have to, you have to, you know, you can't, you have to have something to fill the vacuum. And if you've got to get rid of God, you replace him with big brother. And I love this phrase. It's not actually comp, but according to the footnote, I know you said 166, Father. Just allow me to do the top of page 167 and we'll back back to you. But um, it follows on here. So right at the very top, uh, the footnote says this sums up um, uh, comp very successfully, but it's not actually comp. Um, In positivism, God has gone unquestionably and forever. Now, think about that's an ominous thing to say, right? God has gone unquestionably. Now, don't even question the fact that we have cancelled God mm-hmm. forever. So you're cancelling the question, you're cancelling God, and how is that going to end anywhere except where it does end, in tyranny and, and, and mass murder? That's right. And as we're going to see, when he starts, maybe I'm jumping too far ahead, but when he... Uh, 
says that his club is going to be the new Jacobin club. I mean, if that doesn't raise your eyebrow, because we know the Jacobins, that was Robespierre. Those are the people who got the reign of terror rolling, right? And if he's saying to his fellow Frenchmen, you know, we're going to start a new Jacobin club, you're thinking, holy cow, how can this not end in violence? Bring back the guillotine, right? Father, I think you said 166, did you? We'll return to the Forum Book Club with Father Joseph Fessio, Vivian Dudreau, and Joseph Pierce in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to the Formed Book Club with Father Joseph Fezio, Vivian Dudreau, and Joseph Pierce. I did, but I want to come in what you brought up in 164 and 5 there. Uh, it always amazes me how someone can have such a great following when what he's saying is actually nonsense. Uh, because to say we're going to eliminate the question why is to eliminate all of science, all of knowledge. That's It begins in wonder, in awe. Why is this, you know, not just how, but the human mind seeks first causes. That That's the function of the human mind. So we're going to cut that off. I mean, uh, Lewis called it truncated thought, mm-hmm. where he said, that, yeah, the scientific method has made a lot of discoveries because they've known, asked a question about what is thought, or what's the origin of things, but how do they work? But that's, and 
Benedict was very strong on that too. The whole idea that the West, the West, criticized the East, you know, Islam and so on, in that that famous address at Regensburg in 2006. But <clears throat> he also criticized the West at no longer accepting that the human mind seeks transcendent reasons beyond the material order. Anyway, right, reductionism to the level of mechanism. Uh, is is the is the denial of the transcendent? That's it's as simple as that, and that's exa exactly what positivism is. That there's nothing but mechanism. Mm -hmm. There's nothing but how, uh, and that that basically denial of the transcendent. That, simple then, as that. And then you get to one sixty six, a new paragraph, quoting him: "The great revolution of the West, of which Auguste Comte is a prophet, an artificer, does not fall into that trap. It goes beyond atheism." The better to liquidate theism. Yes. Okay, but then towards the bottom he says, everything is relative. Now that's obviously a stupid statement. Is that statement relative? Mm -hmm. You know, well then what? I mean, and, he, and also the point is that it, it, it's a, it's a, but it, it's where it's where positivism ends up because it it, it, it it accepts the fact that it cannot answer the first questions. Therefore, the, 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 the default situation is relativism. But the irony is the positivism is based upon empiricism, right? It's based on the only thing that really, that's really true are things you can measure and know to be true. And then because it cannot talk about things that are primal, it's reduced to saying, yes, but everything's ultimately relative, the relativist as regards any question of why. So, so it's using, if you like, completely mechanistic empirical means to come to a meaningless relativistic end. And and we have to situate this at the beginning point or one of its beginning points in Descartes, whose beginning premise was all these metaphysical questions, and I think Comte is is following in this line, we can't really know the answers to. This is all speculative. This is all what theologians and metaphysicians, they're all fighting over there with these abstractions and these concepts or thing. We, we can't, we can't ever resolve these questions. We can't really know what the answers to these questions are with any certitude. Okay. So now uh, Descartes is trying to solve the problem of, of what can I be certain? And that's what positivism, ultimately, I'm positive about this statement. It's, a, it's, it's a, it's a, <clears throat> Synonym for uh, certitude, positivist. Okay, so what does Descartes do? He says, since I can't know these metaphysical things and these theological things, I'm going to limit myself to what I can know with certitude. And as it turns out, the only thing Descartes can be sure he knows are his own concepts, his own mathematical equations to which he can find the exact answer. And because that's where certitude lies with these concepts that I can, oh, this plus this equals this, I can be certain of that. That's the only thing I can really know. What this does now is push beyond outside the mind all these other pursuits, philosophical, metaphysical, theological, that can't be reduced, you used the word reduction earlier, Joseph, can't be reduced to some formula of which I can be certain. And that is really kind of the beginning point of this intellectual mm, development, if you want to call it that. And and now, so now Comte in trying to, there's been all this anarchy of the revolution, 
right? And, and, and all the French society is in a shambles. And so what is he going to rebuild this on? He's not going to go back to these metaphysical arguments. And he wants to base it on something of which he can be certain, because that's the only firm foundation is something of which I can be certain. So we're just going to take off the table things we can't be certain about and just talk about, well, how do things work? How does society work? How does man work? Which is why he's the father of sociology. He's going to turn even the study of man into an exact science. So we're going to find, you know, the things that make men tick. And we know this for sure because now it's a science. And now society is going to be based on sociology. But, but the, the irony, I agree with everything you said, but the irony is that it's a reduction out of certain because he begins, it begins with seeing is believing, right? And ends with, if I can't see, it doesn't exist. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> which, which, which is obviously nonsense, right? Because you obviously can't see everything. So just, to just assume that things you can't see, therefore de facto do not exist, is, is, is a non sequitur and it's nonsense. And then he tries, before he makes his own church, the Church of Man, he tries to first subvert the Catholic Church. Like, if we could just replace the clergy with a bunch of sociologists, if we could just stop them from doing all this supernatural mumbo jumbo and get them down to the brass tacks of what makes society work and what makes man work, well, now the church would really be something. And I, I couldn't help thinking of Father Andrew Greeley, sociologist. <laughs> I mean, there have been plenty of priests in our own day who actually have adopted the social sciences as they're now just because you do a PhD in sociology doesn't make you a Comtean positivist, but the temptation is there to substitute the hard work of entering realms that we don't understand, mysteries we don't understand. We're only meant to faithfully transmit them and try to explain them as best we can, but never will fully. To substitute that, which puts man in touch with God, and instead just put man in touch with himself. Back to Descartes there. Of course, his famous expression as he's trying to find the certainty is, I think, therefore I am. Uh, a beautiful response was by the English philosopher Roger Scruton, who wrote a wonderful book. But his, he said, I drink, therefore I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's a book on wine tasting and so on. But uh, and trying to, to get the structure here, uh, this whole scientism is based on a principle that only that can be known with certainty as true, which can be empirically verified. Right. But that principle cannot be empirically verified. So right. it's performative uh, contradiction is what it is. Yes. But By the way, if we, if, we, if, we can, if we can play with that, 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 that word play on think and drink, by the way, at the University of Mary, there's a, there's a bar on campus called Chesterton's. That's a great name for a bar. And uh, they, they, they have a T-shirt and, a, and a, a beer glass, and on it it says, think responsibly. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's great. It's great. It's but, good. of course... You know, if you if you turn that the other way, I am, therefore I think. Now you've put yourself back into questions of being, and that's precisely what we're not going to be permitted to think about. So, anyway. All right, moving onward, if we can. What, what's coming up next? 
What's coming up next, Joseph? Maybe you need to. Well, I mean, I was going to talk about the 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 the, uh, the divine the footnotes on page one hundred sixty-seven, but I think we could pass over that. Um, I've got something on page one hundred seventy-one. Go ahead. So do I, but you start first. Okay, so that that new paragraph there. Um, yeah. Once God has been shut out, His place must be taken by something else. Mm-hmm. If you do not want Him to come back, a prolonged interregnum would be disastrous. For only what is replaced is destroyed. So here we have, you know, an, an acceptance that um, a vacuum is an unnatural state, and that basically we will have a god. Uh, it's not the, the, the absence of God is something which is unnatural uh, and I- I- impossible. So if you are, if you're absolutely intent on vanquishing God, you have to replace him with God, just a different God. You have to fill the vacuum with something else. And again, it gets um, Chesterton's uh, phrase, you know, that when, when we stop believing in God, we don't believe in nothing. You believe in anything. Mm-hmm. That the moment that you have that real absence of God, you're going to fill it with something else is going to be worse. I underlined that also, but halfway down the paragraph there, as we have seen, it was precisely one of the weaknesses of atheism in its purely critical attitude, that is, it criticizes theism, that it left unsatisfied the needs that God had answered. Mm -hmm. Positivism, the most organic of all doctrines, quote from Kant, I think, for the first time supplies complete satisfaction to all the tendencies of the many-sided nature of man, unquote. Above all, it supplies an object for that urge to worship, which is at the heart of our nature. It constipates, quote, our feelings, our thoughts, and our actions around humanity, the one true great being of which we are wittingly the necessary members, close quotes. So we replace God with man. Yep. And is this something that's been tried and is still... Regnant among us, the World Economic Forum has as its kind of philosopher, Harari, I forget his first name. His book, you know, is called Homo Deus. Man is God. He's not talking about the incarnation. He's talking about the substitution of God by man. Comptism to the core. And, and, and again, Father, coming back to Chesterton, who's so good at all of this, of course, that man is something inhuman. In other words, it's something abstract. It's a concept. Man is not men, right? Uh, humanity is not people. Uh, and when people and when people worship humanity, they kill men. Mm-hmm. That's what happens, right? And, and we've seen it happen over again: French Revolution, Russian Revolution, the, the, the Nazis, etc. When we start worshiping whether humanity or the race, when we start making ourselves abstract concepts instead of real concrete persons, mm-hmm. we kill each other. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. It was chilling. It was chilling to me to see how far this replacement goes in Comp's psyche, if you will, where he echoes scripture on the top of 175. Uh, humanity plays the same part in relation to the former God. In it, says Comte, we live and move and have our being, which is an echo of St. Paul, which oddly enough, Comte reveres St. Paul. I mean, we'll yeah. get to that later, but he's, not, he's, he's, read, he's read a lot of St. Paul, and the, yeah. obviously that's an example of him stealing or borrowing from him. But and I think also, though, before, wait, wait, before we, this is echoing St. Paul, but I think St. Paul was echoing, echoing 
something in the Greek That's right. before him. But now Comp seizes up in both instances, St. Paul or the Greeks beforehand, they're talking about something that lies outside of man, that we exist in something of being that's our existence is contingent on being something before us, something bigger than us. Comp wants to just smash that into man simply exists in man. Yeah. yeah. He's his own beginning and end. I want to go back to page 174. <clears throat> we think of humanity as the abstract concept that includes everybody, right? But it doesn't really include everybody in Comp's mind. New paragraph on that page. True. The humanity that Kant offers for our worship is not quite the same as Feuerbach. This great being, this huge organism, is certainly formed of the beings which are ourselves. It certainly comprises individuals of all, of all generations, but it does not retain them all without within its midst. It is only the continuous whole of conversion beings. Okay. What are they? Okay. Criminals are excluded. Even those among them who are called great men, the Neros, the Robespierre's, the Bonaparte's, all those who break the human harmony, parasites likewise, mere dung producers who transmit to their successors no equivalent for what they receive from their predecessors. Only those are incorporated who have made themselves fit for assimilation. Unlebensverteleben, unworth lives. Lives were not worth living. Yeah. Lives not worth living, which so, was... The great, this great God that we have that we're replacing the God of love with, uh, oh, we're going to exclude some people, the people we don't like. That's right. Right. And the thing is, you know, the point is that this is, this is the, 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 the materialistic excommunication. Yes. All right. If you don't, if you don't um, uh, bend the knee before the ideology, you will be canceled. Now, the, the Catholic Church excommunicates heretics. Um, but you know, but for the most part, we can we can commit mortal sin, and we're not going to be killed. We're not going to be exterminated. We're not going to be hunted down. All right, we made the choice to turn our back on God, and we live with that um, possibly for eternity. But but here is, if you do not actually bend the knee before the ideology, we will hound you down and kill you as parasites. We're getting close to the end of our time allotment. Anything more on this chapter that we need to cover, or should we? Well, I, I'd like to say one thing if I can, because mm -hmm. just because I think it sums things up on page 172, then then by all means we can wrap things up here pretty quickly. So at the top of the page 172, four five lines down, uh, he you know he sees that this vision of in Notre Dame de Paris, uh, the great temple of the worst, the statue of humanity would have it as its pedestal, the altar of God, of the vanquished God who has become its footstool. Positivism is essentially a religion of humanity. So this is this is diabolical here. And then how does it play itself out? Bottom of the page, and then again, this is Comte's words, that the servants of humanity uh, are, as opposed to Christians, who are the slaves of God. Okay, so you can be a servant of humanity, you know, uh, uh, a servant of the party, of the people, or you can be a, a Christian, a slave of God. But what happens, of course, is that the servants kill the slaves that's what happens right when when, when comp put into practice the servants kill the slaves all right we conclude our chapter on august Kant in christianity we will take up the cudgels 
on the next chapter, Christianity and Catholicism. See you next session. If you enjoyed this discussion, please help spread the word about the Forum Book Club by subscribing to the podcast and writing a review. You can sign up for weekly updates at formedbookclub.ignatius.com.